Well, let's just pray. Oh, wow, it's very deep. Let's just pray to um, invite Jesus to speak to us today. Lord God, we thank you so much for the opportunities that we get to get together, Lord. Um, when a lot of the world is struggling to even meet up with a few people, Lord, we are so thankful that we get to gather together on Sunday with so many people. <coughs> and so, Lord, we just want to pray that this morning you will speak to us what's on your heart, Lord, that you will encourage us, um, send us out of this place, Lord, with some steps to move forward, Lord, with um, better perspective on how we can help others, Lord, and I just pray that you can speaking to each one of us this morning, Lord. Amen. So how are we this morning, church? Paul was great. Um, so if you don't know me, my name is Nathan, uh, and I'm on staff here. Um, and we've finally made it to the end of our ABCD uh, series. Who's excited to be finished? Oh, that's probably good, actually. No one's excited. Um, but so we've come to the last one, which is about developing others, and it's something that... Um, over the past year, but I've actually become really passionate about developing uh, other people. And so this morning, I'm going to be bringing you, hopefully, a bit of a how-to guide, um, a very brief how-to guide on developing other people, um, and basically bringing out three truths that we can use to develop ourselves and to develop others that come from the passage uh, that we're going to explore. Um, and so if you don't know, I have been doing youth here, coordinating for a while now, and when I first started um, I started alongside Ellen James, you may or may not know. Um, but one thing that I realized really quickly was that it's important to be growing your leaders. Um, I could see all these things in not just the other leaders and myself that we needed to develop together. Um, and I could see that, but I, I actually realized that the further I went, I, ha I realized I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to develop um, these leaders. Um, and not only that, I was uh, a lot younger than, well, probably not a lot younger, but I was one of the younger leaders, um, and I was co-leading with Ellen. So I had all these doubts that these other leaders might feel a bit weird having someone younger than them trying to develop them, and I wasn't sure if they would actually just want to be de developed or would listen to me, um, because I was obviously growing myself as a leader, and I still am. And I wonder if you've been in a similar situation where you've had a close friend or family member that feeling that you could help develop you. Um, maybe it's been a family member that you've been stuck and you've really wanted to help, but you, you weren't quite sure how to grow them. Or maybe you've had doubts about how you could help them and you, you felt like maybe you might be more of a bother than a help in developing them. Maybe you felt like you might point them in the wrong direction. And well, today I, I really hope that I can help ease some of those worries and help encourage you guys um, and excite you about developing others a bit more. So uh, before we jump into our passage today, I'd love to bring a bit of context, and I've got a photo which, for me, sums up the context a little bit. Um, so we've got Paul and Timothy, and there's the Corinthians there. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians today, um, and 1 Corinthians was a letter that was written by Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament, um, uh, and 1 Corinthians was uh, uh, him writing a letter in response to another letter but not only that um the main main concern that paul had when he was writing this letter was that um, he'd heard he'd heard reports that the corinthians were straying from his teachings and jesus teachings and so they were living in a way that that wasn't the way of jesus and so he was writing to respond to that and trying to correct some of the the ways of living and so there were reports of divisions among the church 
there were quarrels and fights going on between Christians and Christians, and there was even a case of incest. And one theologian said that the church was in the world as it had to be, but the church, uh, the world was even the church as it ought not to be. So things in the Corinthian church were not the way they should have been, and Paul uh, wanted to speak into that. And one of the things that's important to know about the Corinthian church or the Corinth is that it was actually a very important place in the ancient world. And it has been, it's still a pretty important place today. It was a great place of wealth and commerce. There were people from all around the world that would stop and visit. And so there were people from different nationalities, different uh, religions, different beliefs that would come and stop at this place. But whilst it was such a great and wealthy city, it was also a very morally corrupt city. To put it one way, there's an author that says that to become like a Corinthian is actually to go to the devil. So uh, things were not very well in Corinth. There were all sorts of worldly stuff going on. And it seems as though the Corinthian church actually struggled to keep that stuff out of the church and was slowly creeping in. And so as we come to uh, our our passage today on unity and diversity, let's just think back on that. And that being said, let's jump into some Bible. So if you want to open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 12 to 31, it's a bit of a long passage, but so settle in and let's read it together. <coughs> For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink in one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts greater, greater merchandise. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacked it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the better gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And so Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about being the body of Christ. That they are the church, they are one body made up of different, many unique parts um, and equally important parts. And so he first talks to the people in 
that see themselves as unimportant or that people who maybe don't talk about their gifts that much or don't use their gifts tools that much because they see other people using their gifts and they're way more important than them. And then on the flip side, he carries on to talk about those people who are just so up themselves that they think they don't need any of that attention. The people who are just, like he said, the the eye pulling, the ear, that they don't need them. They feel like they're so good on their own. And so he brings them down a peg by saying that those that they see are having less of this are actually brought up and now seem valuable and the body can't do without them. Then he finishes off by mentioning some of the different tasks he carries that they lift up, the apostles, the teachers, the teachers, the prophets, and so on. And so today we're coming to talking about developing others. Uh, Maybe you've been interested interested for a while in learning how to grow others, but didn't know how, or maybe this is your first time you even thought of growing others. But I believe that we have this passage has a few things that we can take from it, that we can learn for developing not only ourselves, but developing others. And so the first thing is that you have something to contribute. And this is actually the bulk of Paul's message. He spends heaps of time exploring this pa- these points. He spends two whole paragraphs exploring these points, that you have something to contribute. And even those who feel like that what they have to offer could be done by someone else. And maybe you felt like that in the past, that maybe you've wanted to help out in church or help out your friends around you or um, do more at work. And you just ask yourself, what could I possibly offer that someone more talented or more time, more passionate couldn't just do in my place? Or even what could I offer that would be missed if I left it all out? Or maybe you have someone in your life that you've wanted to help develop in their faith and in their life. Um, a friend, someone you work with, a family member. And one of the things that they struggle with is seeing that they, they have value, they have something to offer and to contribute. And you're not sure how you can help them to see that God has given them something to offer. And so Paul, he takes this opportunity to remove some of the roadblocks that people have in seeing that that they're in being confident in their gifts and abilities. And he tells the Corinthians and asks that even the smallest parts in the city make sure are invaluable. He talks about how each part of the body has a function that without it, the body would be worse off which means that each person has a part to play, but without it, the body would be worse off. And it's something that we all have to wrestle with in our own lives, and I'm sure that you would know of people in your own life who are wrestling with that sense of having something to add value. For me, when it comes uh, to developing others in particular, there are times where I just feel very confident about what I'm doing. I have the conversations that need to be had. I ask the right questions, or I pull out the right questions. I try to point people in the right direction. And so sometimes I'm confident that I have something to contribute to other people. But then there are times when I'm working at developing other people or even just in my life and work and in ministry even, where I start to wonder, like, why me in particular? There are other people that I know of that could do this just as well or even better than me, people with more time and more effort and who are more more knowledgeable. I start to think, why me? And one of the things that I found super helpful, which Paul talks about here, um, is to remind myself that God has placed me exactly where he's put me. He's given me the gifts, the abilities, the knowledge, um, the experiences that he wanted to give me. And that it was his choice to do that. Verse 18 of our passage says, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So none of it was random. If God's given you the gifts of being a leader, 
that was God's choice. If God's given you the gift of words of knowledge or healing or prayer ministry, it was exactly what God wanted to give you. It was on purpose. And so if you're wondering how to put people back on track and believing that they've got something of value, or if you're wanting to find how to get yourself back on track, then it's important to remind them that God is the one who gives them the gift. He gives them the experiences or abilities. And he gives them to them on purpose, and that whether they're big or small gifts or a big or small part to play, that, they, that you all have a part in, in the world around you, in the church, and in God's kingdom. And another thing that we see in this passage that is helpful to us is that Paul takes the opportunity to explore Jesus upside down in this passage and to, you know, how the world says everything should be this way and then God takes that and flips it and says this is the way it should be. It's a complete opposite. And so he tells the Corinthians that those with lesser gifts are actually given more honour. That those who seem to have a smaller or weaker part to play are actually crucial to God's kingdom and to the world around them. And so verses 22 to 24 says, On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. <coughs> and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts lose no special value. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that are weaker. And so he uses this imagery of putting clothing over the parts of our body that are that we think are less honorable and unpresentable, like putting our underwear on our pants and putting our shirt on to cover our bellies or whatnot. But he's using it to say that those parts that we see as lesser, we give more modesty, we give more honor. We cover them up, we protect them. And I love the first line uh, that says, those parts of the body that, we, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the word indispensable actually means absolutely necessary. So the weaker parts of the body the weaker parts of the body, the parts that we see as weak or lesser are actually indispensable. The body can't do it alone. And so God loves to take what we want to see weak and small and useless and unhelpful and he wants to flip it over and say that it's valued, that it's loved, that it's significant, that it has value. So when you or someone starts to feel small and insignificant and you start to feel like uh, you don't have a part to play or your part to play is hardly part of it, and remind them of God's part to take what they've got and give them that. To take what others want to belittle and to lift them up and to honor them and to give them special honor. That to God, you are just as important as someone with a bigger, more noticeable part. And the reason that this is so important to include in yourself and the people that you're developing um, is because as we get encouraged by the fact that God is the one that gives us the answer, that we all have a part to play, then we start to become more and more confident in our abilities. We start to use them more and develop them more and learn more about them. And we become better people through it. And we'll begin to see more and more that whatever we think of as our sin gifts, as big or small, is actually of great importance to God and to the world and to the world around us. And so the next thing that we need to understand for ourselves and to share with people that we're developing is the idea that we all have a purpose, that you have a purpose. And so using Paul's analogy, we are all the body of Christ. That God has called us all with different purposes, different callings, uh, and different functions in the body. So you have a calling in your life, the person you're developing has a calling in their life. And maybe as you've grown up in the church, or haven't grown up in the church, maybe you've just heard about it. 
Whenever you've heard someone talking about callings and and ministry and or, you know the church or youth or mission or serving, maybe you've always thought that God only calls certain people to certain more holy tasks, tasks such as being a pastor or a missionary or so on. And maybe you've thought that God only chooses a few uh, select people for certain purposes, and that's what it means to have a certain calling. So for everyone else, they would just you know luck out, I guess, and have to find something that you're just constantly enjoying and good at. But the more that I read the Bible and books about calling and purpose, I've come to the conclusion that God has given every one of us and everyone a calling. But maybe in the church he's given unhelpful labels to certain jobs as being more important than others or being more important or being more spiritual than others. But I'm learning that all of us have a calling into our lives. That some people are called to be pastors and missionaries. That some people are called to be mechanics. Some people are called to be baristas. Some people are called to work at Starbucks. And by living out who God has created us to be, that wherever that is, is actually a spiritual act of service, a spiritual act of worship and pleasing Him. Colossians chapter 13, verse 7, 17 says, give it a go, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him, to God the Father, through Him. And then towards the end of the book, in your Bible, in Philippians 4, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving, not Christ. And so the whole of Colossians 3 is talking about how our lives are getting renewed, that the old is gone, and the new is being created. And so now whatever we do, it can all be done for God as a servant in the world. I see it as a more holistic view of our lives, that rather than just small parts of our lives, you know, like going to church or a small group or um, having great conversations, um, it means that actually all of our lives can be done for God. Because our old, old selfish ways of life are gone and we've been renewed in Jesus Christ. Um, and our whole lives are different now, and our whole life belongs to God. And so it's important for us to understand and accept what Paul says, that we all have a calling and purpose. Um, some of us are called to be the hands in the body, while others are called to be the feet or the heart or the left tributary. But we all have something to contribute, and we all have a calling and purpose in our lives. So part of our job when developing others is trying to help them to discover their purpose in life um, and help them to discover who God has created them to be. And for me, recently, I've been discovering more as I've been discovering more about my gifts and abilities, I've realized that it's becoming more of a passion of mine to develop other people and to grow other leaders around me, um, to see them make steps forward in who God is calling them to be. And so for me, starting to understand my own calling and my purpose has been helpful in making practical steps forward in my understanding of how I can do that better. And so for some of you, maybe you've already discovered what your calling is, which is awesome. But for others, maybe you're still on that journey trying to find what your calling is, or you know someone in your life that you're wanting to grow, but you're still looking for that, that purpose and calling. And so some helpful questions and things to explore would be stuff like, what are my spiritual gifts? What are my practical abilities? What am I good at? What am I bad at? What am I so passionate about that whenever I talk about it or learn about it or do it, I just feel exactly where God wants me to be? So ask those sorts of questions and then walk alongside them 
take discover who God is, but only see him. You know, there's a great joy in seeing people discover who God is, actually. Seeing people light up when they find their passion and find their God-given purpose in life. And as you and the people you develop start to discover and explore their calling, their purpose in life, they'll start to find direction in life, a sense of meaning that in their lives that maybe they hadn't had for a while. They'll discover that there's more to life than just an existing person and, and going to work and going to house every week. And overall, their purpose is to have something great to contribute to the community of God and to the world and to the people in the community. So it'll help them to understand that they have a purpose in life. And the third thing that's important is that you aren't alone. And this is important for us to understand as people developing adults, and it's important for people being developed in the community, that you are not alone. As Paul is talking about the body and all the different parts of it and how they're all brought to the same level of importance in verse 24 and 26, he says that it's, uh, it's so that there is one no divisions among the church, among the body, but also that each, pa- each part will have equal concern for each other. And that's part of why I believe that uh, God didn't just make us individual bodies of Christ, all with the exact same set of skills and abilities and God-given gifts, but he made us all individuals with different, unique, but important gifts. It's so that we could walk through this life together. And Paul says that it should be so that if one part suffers, then every part suffers. And if one part is celebrated and exalted, then every other part can be exalted as well. We're all in this together. And this life is going to be tough as Christians. You know, trying to, trying to live away in this world that honors God, trying to discover our calling and our purposes, all while having the world and Satan against us. How could we possibly even think to do this life alone? And maybe you're someone who likes to be alone, who likes to dwell in solitude. Maybe you're a loner this morning. But I'd like to challenge you and say that there are great benefits to being in a community and having a family of believers around you. When things go wrong, we turn to God, right? Like, that's what we're told we should do. But it's also a blessing to have people around us to help us, to push us forward, to pick us up when we fall down. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10 to 11 talks about the uh, tree being better than one. And it says, if either, either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Or if there are two lie down, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And so practically, it's better for us to do life together with people around who can pick us up when we fall over, who can keep us warm and motivated, who can be there to celebrate the good things in life and to help us through difficult tough times, to ask for help when we're not sure about something. And for some of us, for some of the people who are around us who we want to develop, feeling alone is one of their biggest fears and just encouraging them that they're not alone, that you're there for them, that there are people there can actually ease a lot of their worries. And the other reason it's so good to be in in community and not alone is because all of our gifts and abilities actually complement each other. They actually work together. So when you're having plumbing issues, don't you just come, don't you first come to the church and see if there's a plumber? Or if if you're having mechanical issues, don't you just come to the church and see if there are any mechanics? We have a lot of them. And I want to thank every one of them for helping me with my car. When you have a spiritual issue, don't you come and see Barry or Alicia? We all have something of value to offer, and we all have a calling and a purpose. 
and also all, all have each other to become helps, to build each other up, to walk alongside and come alongside, and to help with the tasks that God calls us to. And so we need to understand and express that we don't exist alone as Christians. We have a community, and especially here at Harvest, we have each other, and at the very least, we continue to develop others. Those people have you. And if they're not a part of a community of believers, then invite them to church, invite them to a small group. We're all in this together, and it's important to understand that we're all a part of this together. And so we have these three truths to take hold of, to start developing ourselves, or to be developing others. And whether you've been at it for a while, developing others, or whether you are feeling encouraged today, start. Firstly, we have we all have something to contribute. Second, we all have a calling and a purpose. And thirdly, we're not all alone. And I think that these three things are a great starting point into where we want to go. I think that there's so much more we can learn from um, these groups or these uh, YouTube videos that we've got to us. But I think this is a great place to start and a great place to take hold of. And if we're all developing someone else in their walk with Jesus in the world, then I think we're all going to see each other growing more and more as we go. Us as the ones developing and especially those who are being developed. So right now what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to think about the people who you'd like to invest in, people who you know could use someone walking alongside them in their faith, in their life, in their struggles. And if you've never thought about developing another another person in your walk, um, and right now you're so excited about it that what we've talked about is encouraging to you, then this is the perfect opportunity for you. To think about those people. Send them a message. Give them a call. Go get coffee with them. And open a conversation about where they're at and how, how they view themselves and the gifts that God's given them. And help them to discover who God is calling them to be and where God is calling them to go. So let's pray. Lord God, we just want to think thank you for all the people in our lives that that need your help Lord we want to thank you that we have an opportunity now to, to help them to see them grow and move forward I want to thank you for all the people that are on our hearts right now and just addressing and, and that they will be open to having someone walk alongside them in their walk they'll be open to having someone get alongside them and grow them and so I just want to pray Lord that you will equip all of us Lord to help develop the people in us that you will encourage us and give us confidence Lord that we have someone to look to help us to discover our own problems and, and to help others to find theirs and I pray that Lord through this you continually remind us Lord that we are not alone that we are in this life together as a community Lord but we also have you walking alongside us each step of the way so I pray Lord that you help us but if we haven't thought of someone, that you would place someone in our hearts right now. And I pray that we would start to see this church grow, that we would start to see more and more leaders, Lord, that we would start to see more and more people confident about their gifts and using them and stepping up and pushing each other in our community. Be with us, I thank you in Jesus.